0: I want you to know that I'm pursuing something that is bigger than me and therefore it is more than just about me. It's not about the stage. It's not about the audience. It's not about the applause. It's not about the cheers. It's about knowing that I help someone improve. Okay. It's knowing that someone's life was made better because of what I shared and what I do and how I do it. You see, that is my ultimate welcome to the mission driven podcast the show designed to empower educate and encourage you to stay focused and committed to your mission i'm your host ac cristales let's get ready to roll thank you so much for joining me on the mission driven podcast i'm your host ac cristales and today i have a special guest sirak asphal he is a sociology professor here at richland college and he's also the campus pastor for the focus group here at richland college serac what's up buddy What's going on, man? Thanks for having me today. Nah, no problem, man. Thank you so much for for agreeing to be on the on the show, man, and just share a little bit about what you do here at Richland, not only as a sociology professor, but also as a campus pastor.
1: Yeah, man. I, uh, I mean, I enjoy talking to you in real life, so why not put a couple mics in front of us and keep this conversation going, man? So I appreciate you having me.
0: For sure, man. For sure. So before we get into, um, you know, the meat of the of the interview, man. Why don't you just start off by telling people a little bit about you? You know, maybe your family and educational background.
1: Yeah, so I I'm 31 years old. Um, I was born in Windsor, Ontario, in Canada. It's a city, probably probably 20 30 minutes east of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, I was born. I was born there. My parents were both Ethiopian immigrants. They immigrated to Canada probably in the late 70s, early 80s. I got an older brother. He works in finance in Dallas. My mom's a respiratory therapist. uh, And my father, he was an engineer. He passed away probably in 2007 or so. Uh, My parents, um, yeah, they always raised me with a strong uh, emphasis on education. Um, I went to Collin County Community College for my basics. I did my my bachelor's and my master's in sociology at UT Dallas. I'm currently um, a student at Fuller Theological Seminary. Okay. I'm pursuing a master's of arts in theology, um, and just kind of a lifelong learner, man. I'm, I'm just, I just, I just kind of go where, where my curiosity leads me. So I'm always reading a random book here and there.
0: That's good, man. So I'm curious, what led you into sociology? Because you know that's that's a field that you know, especially you know, here at Richland, you know, a lot of kids they'll they'll choose to take psychology, right? So sociology is kind of seen is seen as psychology's little step brother, right? So what led you into sociology?
1: Um. So a uh, people, a lot of people don't really know this, but I, I I actually almost joined the the Marine Corps out of high school. Oh yeah, um, I didn't know that, bro. Yeah i yeah. I was training with uh, the recruiters and the and the Marine kind of recruits, probably all probably March April of my senior year of high school, and we were you know getting together every Tuesday Thursday night doing push ups pull ups running miles, and it was a deep sense of brotherhood that I had with them, and then probably a week or two before basic training started, you know, the recruiter came to my house, met my family. And I remember just having this deep sense in my gut of this isn't what I should be doing. And this isn't where I should be going. So, I mean, I think I, I was joining the Marines out of, you know, lack of interest in doing any anything else in that deep sense of brotherhood. But I ended up going to Collin County Com- Community College and had no idea what I wanted to study or major in. Took, you know, just like a lot of Freshman students in community colleges, I just took what classes sounded interesting. And one of those classes was sociology. Now at the time I was actually a nursing major as, as, as well. So I was taking biology and microbiology and some of these other uh, kind of, kind of higher level science classes. And I, and I just knew in, in my heart that it wasn't for me. I, I just wasn't, it just wasn't touching my my heart taking those kinds of classes. So but I took a sociology class with my professor, her name was Doctor Nita Evans. And she it was the first class in what I can remember that really touched my soul. And okay. being the child of Ethiopian immigrants, coming from a different country, you know, just, and just trying to make sense of the complex social world around me. Sociology just moved me in a way that, noth- that nothing else did, and I think I was hooked. So I, I, I made the decision to major in it, got my bachelor's in it, and I liked it enough to get my master's, and uh, luck-
0: luckily, both my jobs, it kind of worked out for me. That's awesome, man. Do you Can you recall something from that sociology class with that professor that that stands out to you.
1: Yeah, so one of the things that she did in class was she led these uh, really in-depth classroom discussions. And I I remember one in, in particular where we were talking about the social problem of pe- of pedophilia. Okay. And we were talking about um, you know, the mental health issues involved in, you know, men and women who are into sexually deviant acts, and she kept asking the class, you know, what you know what is the root cause of this social issue? And all of the different students in class were sharing their thoughts and opinions on what could be the root cause of pedophilia. Mm-hmm. And then um, she she t- she touched on um, now obviously she didn't call it you know sin and our sinful nature. And as, yeah. a, as a Christian, those are very common words that I've heard growing up in church. but she was just openly and uh, unashamedly, unwilling to paint human beings in this like brilliant light like where she because I think sociology gives you this impression that we're always advancing and growing and innovating so where human beings are becoming better mm-hmm. but she pointed out in class that this root issue of pedophilia has mm-hmm. to do with the fact that we're still humans and as long as we're still humans we have this deeply embedded desire to do evil and it was the first time in class that it made me see that sociology, although it is beautiful, it is still limited, and it and and it does cause us to reflect on our hearts mm-hmm. and, and who we are, mm-hmm. um, because you know the people who commit pedophilia, along with the many list of deviant sex- sexual acts, they're human beings just just like us. Exactly. And it, and it caused me to think of the own evil in my own in my own heart, um, and that that was one of the things that I really appreciated about 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 her was leading us in class discussions that ended up touching our hearts, as well as getting us to think outside um, outside the box.
0: That is awesome, man, because it's, you know, one of the things that you and I always talk about, it's just keeping it real, right? Keeping it real with our students and making instruction where it's applicable to them and applicable to their lives, and they can reflect and say, hey, that makes sense. So obviously, um, you know, she mentioned some things that triggered, you know, the spiritual aspect, right? Your spiritual background, your spiritual upbringing, And so that's one of the things I know, and I'm sure you you do it as well, you know, as an instructor. I mean, the best instructors are those who are able to just be themselves and be genuine and not follow a certain script. It's them, it's those who can take, you know, whether they're talking about deviance or they're talking about social class and they can just impart their own wisdom and not so much that you're trying to change somebody's thinking because I know, I say this in my sociology class, like, look, this is not a class about what's right or wrong. This is not an ethics class where you know you decide that this is morally good and this is morally bad. This is the class for you to be aware that not everybody in this classroom is raised the same way, with the same manners, with the same attitudes and values and beliefs. So mm-hmm. I think as long as we know that, then that gives students an opportunity to be open-minded, right? to open up their minds and realize that, man, okay, this person that's sitting next to me you know, I, you know they don't they don't believe like I do. They don't celebrate holidays the way that I do, or they don't do the things that I'm accustomed to doing. And mm-hmm. so, I think that's what you know gets us in trouble in society is that we think that our way is the only way, and it's not like that. You know, there's there's so many more aspects. There's so many more social forces that come into play. So, thanks for sharing yeah, that, man. Of
1: course, of course, of course,
0: yeah. So, now you know. So, we touched a little bit about sociology, but I what I really want to focus on this um podcast is your work as a campus minister and how it connects to working at a college campus right so uh you're not so much you know placed in a church per se you're doing the work you're doing the ministry work here um, on a college campus and so i want to quickly read this this study that i was looking at as i was preparing for this podcast and it says that um there's this research by barna research and it estimates that roughly 70 percent of high school students who enter college as professing Christians will leave with little to no faith. These students usually don't return to their faith even after even after graduation, and the Barn Research projects that eighty percent of those who were raised in church will be disengaged with their faith by the time they are twenty nine. So, man, as I was just thinking about that, I was like, "Wow!" I mean, what's what's your what's your thought on that, man? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that study definitely reflects the trend that I've seen. Um, it, it it also reflects, I mean, my experience in in church. It, mm-hmm. You know, I I was raised in church from the time I was, and I, I went to a small Free Will Baptist um, church in Plano. And uh, I think the the general experience of my time in youth group was, yeah, me and a lot of my buddies that I was that I was close with, I th- I. I think that more than probably 70% of us mm-hmm. uh either have no interest in church or or even no interest in being a part of an organized uh religious religious group. Now, I've seen um research that pre- that presented kind of what what you re- what you re- referred to in that and I think it's uh I think it part of me, you know, there's the there's the part of me that sees those kinds of stats and I think that um, it fills me with maybe worry or mm-hmm, um, anxiety, but but the, then it also makes me wonder, you know, what what is what is our generation hungering after? Because um, I see a lot of uh, data about Gen Z and, and millennials that show that though they're not interested in being a part of an organized institutional experience, they're very interested in spirit in spirituality. They're, okay, they're very sure. they're very interested in talking about the. Um, profound and the and the deep, they're very interested in, in experiencing God. They're very interested in having transcendent experiences, which makes me curious. It makes mm. me excited because I mean, usually when you think of people that don't go to church, I mean, it's just the the message we were handed going to, to church is those people are unchurched, they're worldly, they're not mm. interested in God, they're evil, they're mm. sinful. But that's just not a, a true a true narrative. Um, a lot of the work that we do on college campuses. Are to show all we're trying to do is create space mm-hmm. create space for students that are on campus three hours a day to eight hours a day mm-hmm. to see like no there's a, there's space for you on campus you know an e036 mm-hmm. to meet up and talk about Christ you know mm-hmm. to talk about the life of, of Christ and to potentially meet other like-minded people People, believers or non-believers, however you want to define them, who are along that same journey as you. So the majority of students that we meet come into these contexts with like, "Wow, I had no idea that this existed here. I thought all there was was church and everything else." That's true. Okay,
0: that's good.
1: And so we try to build a community and create space on campus for students to grow in their faith. In, Mm -hmm. Um, and so a lot of our students may not go to church on Sundays they may not have a place that they're a part of or they may have been raised in a korean church a nigerian church a yeah. pentecostal you know church a conservative liberal church and they and they may have rejected their ex- experience not necessarily knowing what they want next mm-hmm. but we try to be create space for them to explore what that means as they attempt to follow christ so
0: that's good man and you know you hit you hit on something when you said that although you know those stats show that you know, students don't want to do anything with, with the church, there's still a hunger for spirituality. So I started thinking about, you know, Kanye West, right? And his new album that came out a couple of weeks ago and how everybody, man, even somebody who probably hasn't stepped into church in a couple of years, right? You know, they're talking about, oh, Jesus is king. You know, they're talking about that album because there is this hunger, man. There is this hunger for, for spirituality. There is this hunger to know about God, you know? And so I'm thinking, we've had conversations about this. I think sometimes people are just, um, they're just, you know, withdrawn or, or they're just, you know, have a bad taste in their mouth because of what, what they've experienced or what they've heard, you know, and especially now with social media, man, someone can post a video about a specific church or an article or whatever, and so they base it on that. And so what I like what you do is that, no, you give students an opportunity to see that. No, you know, the, you know church and Christ and Christianity and spirituality is not confined to four walls. Like we can have church here, and I know we've talked about that before. The times where we've met, you know, in the in the Axis Center, right? And we've we've just kind of broken bread or whatever, and just talked, man, and just encourage each other. That's church, you know. And I think that that is what you know our students need to know. That church isn't confined to four walls. It's we can have it right here, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I know you probably feel the same way, even in the classroom, man. Even where like we may be the only Christ that our students ever see, mm-hmm. you know. And that's something that I take and that I. I don't ever take for granted man just the opportunity of knowing that man i can be the only light that that person who walks into my classroom ever sees so, right right yeah.
1: yeah i'm really i'm really I'm, I'm really hopeful for you know these next 10 20 years because i'm very i'm very familiar with with a lot of you know barna's research on it seems like a lot of the mainline churches are just dying mm-hmm. you know like protestant episcopal methodist these churches that were you know safe havens for people all through you know the world war 2 era the the 60s you know there's the, it's it's almost like but these these denominations are ex- exploding in terms of population in Africa and Southeast Asia but mm-hmm. in a in a, in the in the west we're seeing um, a different type of spirituality emerge, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's one that you're right. It's not contained within four walls, mm-hmm. or it's at a mega megachurch. Okay. But a lot of those mainline Protestant churches are dying, and and the, what we do on campus is is very niche and it's very un- unique and it doesn't really fit into mm-hmm. any any of that. And every every semester there could be a new group of group of stu- of there students. It's yeah, dynamic since students are here for a few months and then yeah. they're gone. So I'm I'm really I'm really uh, hopeful with you know this
0: current generation kind of what they cuz cuz we talked about this too man you know it, it, it changes right church the way or the church the way I knew it when I was when I was a college student is totally different you know and so uh, yeah man so what what led you to that man so what led you to go into like campus ministry man that's that's always you know just you know I'm always curious about that when when, uh, when people mention just like you know they're in ministry so what led you into uh, ministry and specifically campus ministry. I know you've kind of touched on that as well, but um, won't you go ahead and share that?
1: Yeah, I, so my freshman year of college, um, I found a college ministry at Collin County Community College, and I saw an advertisement, walked in, and I think something clicked in me where I was kind of on the fringe of wondering if I want to follow Jesus or, or not. Like I said, like a lot of kids in the South raised in church, they kind of enter college with this mindset of, you know, they want to let go of what they've been handed, mm-hmm. but they're also kind of, you know, haunted by it. You know, they can't fully let go of it because it's in, in, in sociology, there's a process called socialization where it's, sure. it's, it's these values that are deeply ingrained inside of you that that's very difficult just to turn off. So I walked into college ready to just be my own person but i was always i was also kind of haunted by this person of, of christ wondering what does he want from me what because i because i know he wants it all and i know that he's changed my life and i know i've experienced him but what does it look like now and i found focus it was a community of college students that you know they were largely evangelical mm-hmm. they were uh, mostly white mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh you know i was the only black black guy there and um i think i went there you know i tried to be vulnerable and bold cuz i i know it may have not been the most comfortable place for me but they were really hungry it seemed like their spiritual hunger lined up with mine okay. they were interested in getting to know jesus and so was it so what was it so was i so that was the fall of 2006 and so to fall of 2007 i was leading a small group okay. uh they they do a lot of student leadership development i was leading a small group with with, with them in 2007 uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I went to a leadership conference, and I felt like my heels were kind of digging deeper into, into this this college ministry experience. So at this point, not only was I a college student, but I was also being trained as a college missionary awesome. in my in my classes and leading a small group and doing one-on-one Bible studies. Uh, I finished my bachelor's degree at that at that point, and I did grad school, and at, at that point. I was involved at the ministry at UT Dallas, mm-hmm. and I was heavily involved. I was leading worship. I was leading small groups. I was involved in student leader development, and uh, there it was kind of a, an an entire world that made college really exciting for me. I wouldn't, uh, walking into Collin County Community College that first day of class, I would have never expected four or five years later to be where I was at. And then by the time I graduated, I, I knew I had a couple paths. I, I was thinking about getting my Ph my PhD, maybe going down the academic route, getting mm-hmm. a job as a, as a tenured professor. I thought of um, going to law school. And then uh, this opportunity popped up of doing the Focus internship. Okay. It was a one-year campus ministry internship where I had to fundraise my salary. And I knew at that moment I had to ask myself, do, well, do I think I'll ever look back on my life and think, I really regret taking that one-year internship to love college students? And, mm-hmm. the, and the answer is no. So I did that one-year internship, and it it was kind of a it was kind of a thing where I I knew how deeply impacted I was by college ministry, mm-hmm. and I stepped you know in faith and asked God for wisdom if He doesn't want me to do this, keep me from doing it. And um, so I've been doing it ever since. So so that was <laughs> fa- that was fall two thousand twelve. Wow. Did the one year internship and then I joined staff and I've been on staff with Focus, still fundraising my salary while still teaching part time at. Richland College.
0: Awesome, man. Very good. Very good. So, why is it so important for you? You know, is it just because of what happened with you, you know, at Collin County with the focus group? Why is it so important for you to help students in college with their faith?
1: You know, I, th- I think one, because I know, I know the power of feeling. I, I I know how lonely it could be to feel like you're the only person out there that's okay. dealing with the things that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, Focus doesn't offer anything that a lot of other groups don't. We offer a place of belonging, which was first and foremost what I needed. I I needed I need I, I needed friends, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, two thousand six was like it was kind of on the cusp of the smartphone. Mm-hmm. Era, it was like some people still had razors, and some and some people had you know <laughs> side flip. sidekicks. I think the the yeah. first iPhone just came out, so college wasn't this time where you know you walk on campus and everyone's on their phone, you know, yeah. watching YouTube, being on Instagram. It was still a time where you really wanted to interact with people, okay. you know, and and I, and I felt that shift happening. But I, so I, I know that college students t- today, it, it may be different in terms of their capacity to interact and engage. But for me at the time, I know how. Meaningful it was just to like sit at a table with someone and be like, man, Romans eight says God works for the good of those who love Him. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Like God, God only works for the good of those. What does God work for the good? And just having someone to talk with, you know, that's not like a pastor talking at you. Yeah. Just I, I remember how powerful that was, and so to me, it was what provides the most opportunity for me to create that in another student's life. And at, the, at, and at the time being, you know, college ministry was one of the venues. Yeah. So I kind of stepped into that. So, so that honestly has fueled and, and has continued to fuel what I do on a day-to-day, day-to-day basis. Because, you know, I've, I, at this point, I've, I might have met, I probably have met thousands of different students. And, and you, you, when you meet that many, you, you get to wonder, like, man, this, this student I just met is just one in a thousand. You know, yeah. what can I do for them? But the thought that I can really change the trajectory of their life, you know, yeah. the way they, when they think Richland College, they're going to think of that community of friends that they had. When they think, man, when I really started growing in my faith, it was, you know, September 22nd when I was walking through the org fair and I saw that table where yeah. they invited me. It's you, you can create these moments in people's life where they can look back and it's 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 like a peg in their, in, in their memory. Yeah. So many years of ours, you know, they just blend in toge- together. Like 2015, I don't even... I can't think of anything specific that, <laughs> that happened right. then. You're right. But, but, but we remember moments. Moments, we right. We remember moments. We, we may remember not remember moments.
0: specific, you know, days and times, but we remember moments. Like, mm-hmm. I, get, I guarantee you can't tell me what day, you know, that teacher had that conversation about pedophilia, but you can remember that moment. The moment, yeah. For sure,
1: man. So that's that's what keeps me, me going. Campus ministry is... I tell people that I'm a college pastor and it's, and it, and I I get a lot of different reactions because when they think pastor, they think Sunday morning. Exactly. Or when they, when they think college pastor, they think, you know, oh, so let's have a college group at our church. Exactly. But the fact that, you know, we reserve rooms on campus, we do all of our stuff on campus, we try to be with the students, even some students that we meet, they're just kind of like, why, you know, you know, and, and each, each college has its own vibe. It has its own energy. And I, and uh, as far as Richland goes, you're talking about 19,000 students that are yeah. walking campus every day. Well, I think on campus and on and online. And the fact that there's only maybe one, two, three different Christian groups that are actively trying to reach just seems like, you know, there's there's a big there's a big harvest here, For sure. you know, you know. And so it's what kind of keeps me going. So
0: let's So Do you see um, has it been tough getting the Richland students in here?
1: Uh, so I did. I uh, did. I did I did college ministry at UT Dallas mm-hmm. from 2012 to probably 2016 and and it's
0: two different institutions totally right. different cultures exactly totally, know, totally different, different cultures uh, student population demographics
1: absolutely yeah you know UTD being a four year school Richland being a two year school at that but then just the demographics there mm-hmm. you know Richland's very uniquely positioned in the fact that you can drive five minutes in any direction and you can cross paths with vastly different socioeconomic groups man um i think that so it's it's when i think of what richland's like i'm it's hard not to compare it to my experience Mm -hmm. at utd you know i think that richland is unique in the sense of um it's a it's a public institution that's funded by public tax dollars Mm -hmm. so they have a steady stream of just local kids coming here every Mm -hmm. year from all different school districts whereas a, you know a four year institution a four year university they have an incentive to you know boost themselves up boost mm-hmm. up their their social media boost up their student life mm-hmm. boost up their image because they they're trying to recruit i think mm-hmm. richland is unique cuz you get a lot of students who treat it like like you know a a stepping stone mm-hmm. this isn't where i'm this is this is where i'm at until i get to be where i want to be exactly and so when they interact with, so that right off, right off the bat creates some uh, tension because very few students come to Richland with the mindset of like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Most of them come,
0: a lot of the ones that I've crossed paths with are, this is where I currently am. Yeah, Or this is the only place that was going to accept me right now. Absolutely. Whether yeah. it's financially or academically. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now imagine if you had a, a college pastor that,
1: had the same attitude, yeah. you know? This is where I guess I have to, to be. It, it can create tension there. Yeah. You know, I think that our ministry's grown. Probably four, probably four years ago, we maybe had like six to 10 students come in. Yeah. Now we have maybe 35 to 45 on a weekly basis, still okay. kind of a, you know, a small percentage in, in relation to the larger population. But we, so I, I have a staff of uh, two people. It's me, Josh Soto, and Sandra Saldivar. Uh, And, you know, man, every week we really – Richland really is just a perplexing campus. We're we're still on a week-to-week basis like, man, we're still trying to – figure it out. You know, some weeks we do outreach events and we have like 50 students outside hanging out with us. Some weeks we do it and like three, three show up. (laughs) I'll meet a student one, one week. Who's like, I'm just gung ho excited. I didn't, I didn't know you guys existed. And then the next three weeks they are just like ghosting me. And, you know, and I, and I I think as a, as a, as a college pastor, it, you know, it, you know, it makes me wonder, you know, all right, Lord, you know, what are you teaching me now? Yeah. You know, what are you showing me now? Because he's yeah. teaching me different lessons here than I, he did at UTD, where a lot of the students that we get in our ministry, they were raised in church, they were raised in youth group, yeah. they come already excited. So it's just different.
0: Yeah, you know, and so you talk about, you know, just the ghosting, right, or whatever that, you know, it's very fickle, man, you know, and I think I don't, I don't want to sound like that old man, you know, that you ever seen that meme that says old man, you know, yelling at a cloud, I don't want to sound like that. But I think we're living in a time where it's easier just to ghost somebody, as opposed to have the, the courage and the boldness to say, you know what, really not feeling this. So instead mm-hmm. of doing that, instead of, you know, actually talking to somebody about it, you know, people avoid confrontation, they're just like, you know what? whatever I'd rather not just talk about this. I'd rather just not talk to this person or whatever so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know some of it's a cultural thing too you know because what, what you mentioned right ten years ago yeah we would sit at the table and talk about Romans 8 and now it's like you're on your phone even in class man you know you get into class and one of the things that I like to do is just shift the culture you know shift what you're accustomed to you know just change your perspective of what you think every lecture class should be like Mm-hmm. so in my class i play music in my class i'll go up to you and shake your head and kids are looking at me like what the heck are you doing i'm like no we're shifting this man because all i can control is my environment right mm-hmm. as a professor as a campus pastor all you can control is the environment that you present to your students mm-hmm. so maybe they're not used to that maybe they're not used to the worship in a college campus because that's not what they're taught they're taught worship should only be you know at First Baptist Church of Richardson or whatever, but no, we can bring worship here. So Mm -hmm. I like that you do that, man, because um, again, I think, you know, people see only what, you know, only what they've seen on social media and they don't always see the big picture, even when it comes to like, you know, Christianity and Christians, you know, they'll see, you know, what somebody, you know, who mocks, right, mocks Christianity or or paints it in in an ugly way. And they don't see, no, here's the real, here's the realness of Christianity, the love, the servant, you know, just being a servant. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. I, um,
1: yeah, those are the unglamorous parts. Yeah, exactly. Those, those, those are the unglamorous parts. I, I feel like uh, there's a part of me that, um, you know, I, I, I try to reorient perspectives in my own heart in regards of like, you know, we t- we touched on the the Richland student that comes to campus and they say, um, oh, this is currently where I just am until mm-hmm. I get to be where I finally get to be. But the problem with that attitude is when you get there, you're probably just going to think, well, this is where I am until I'm, I'm at where I'm at. Or you get that first job out of college, and, mm-hmm. you, and you think this is going to be the job, and you think, oh, I don't really like this job. Mm-hmm. But this is just the job that I'm at until I get to the real mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that for me as a pastor and as a follower of Jesus, it's, it's helping students to see that it's not about... Getting to where you want to arrive at, and it's not about skipping over where you current you currently are. It's about having an open hand and accepting this is where God has me, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Now, now God has me, my feet planted here. So, what does He? Where where is He working, and how does He want me to join Him? And uh, that that took a shift, you know, because whenever I came here from U from UTD, you know, U- UTD is has two hundred, three hundred students showing up every week. Mm-hmm. Excited, mm-hmm. you know there's it's it's vibrant in a different in a in a different way and at and at richland, I think early on i I just wanted to replicate what I had over there yeah versus saying like you know what is like what is the thing that only that God has only for me to do here mm-hmm. like a, this, a specific purpose and plan for Sirac here and now and i th- and I think that's also you know giving students that pers- perspective. What's he? What's what is it for you to do as like an eighteen-year-old freshman from you? You know, J. J. Pierce. I I get it. This is where you're at. You're at, but what what is yours to to do here? Exactly. You know, and uh, I don't know. I, th- I feel like that's been the the kind
0: of call yeah. of our time here. But again, let's let's go back to culture, man, because culture, you know, is 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 what they know, right? Is what what we know, and so the the cultural aspect of it, right, is there's always something else I'm reaching for, right? So there's this American dream or there's the dream of having more money or the dream of being an influencer and having, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 500,000 followers. So that's what we're currently living at, man. Mm-hmm. And and as you were talking about, yeah, UTD has a different different vibe, right? I just start thinking, man, because, and this is just me and I could be totally wrong, but I think the students at UTD, you know, their battles are different from the students here at Richland. Yeah, I mean, Their battles absolutely. are different, whether it's financially, whether it's academically, whether it's uh, emotionally, you know, the things that they've experienced. So all that is gonna just kind of, is gonna affect the way somebody looks at where they're at in their life, because mm-hmm. that's what we know, right? Like, no, or you're just at Richland? Well, you should be here, as opposed to just, man, this is where I'm placed right now. Mm-hmm. Let me be faithful to this. So I got a question. In terms of you connecting, because it's important, right, as an educator and, you know, as a, as a minister, and I believe those two, you know, are one in the same. You know, you're just you're trying to help, you're trying to, you're trying to draw out potential, you're trying to draw out purpose, you know, whether it's academically or, or spiritually. But how do you connect with your students here, you know, when they're guided by mainstream cultural values that differ? from yeah. Christian values. You know that's
1: that's a good that's a good good question. I think, man, for me, life has always been about connection. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, even growing up, I feel like growing up in middle school, it was ne- it was never even really about belonging to like I need to be a part of like the those kids. Or I need to be a part of like the black kids over there. Mm-hmm. I need to be a part of the white like the white kid group. I need to be a part of like the athletes or the or the skaters. Or I don't I don't know. Just all these like it's just our middle school brains trying to make sense of a <laughs> complex world. So we yeah. group pe- people together and sadly we're not, we, we we're not that much different as a, adults, yeah, but exactly. I feel like for me it was just, it was just about if I could find that one interesting person in the cat in the cafeteria and just sit with them, like I'm content with that, yeah. you know? Um, and I think that's what honestly has pushed me into the field of sociology or even the field of, of ministry is I believe it's all about connection for sure and, um there are there I'm a I I would describe myself as as a pretty emotional a pretty sensitive guy although it's mostly inwardly mm-hmm. like it it happens on the inside of me and I don't really show it but I think that it's risk loving people anyway you know it's risk even if you find even if you choose specifically who you love even if you do pick those one or two people to love it's still going to be risky and I feel like for me as an 18-year-old, I like, I had nothing to offer mm-hmm. the people who loved me. Like, the people that really pursued me and loved me, I had nothing to offer them, yet they did it anyway. Um, and I think as I interact with a culture that, yeah, they have different values. You know, I, I'm, I I love to read, and they may be disinterested in anything, like, paper-text related. <laughs> or, you know, I like to talk about philosophy, and, yeah. and they like to talk about their local, you know, their local... Uh, Instagram influencers, you know, or I like to maybe sit at a coffee shop to read and they want to, you know, sit around campus for hours on their, on their phones. To me, it's, it's experiencing that loss of, of like what culture used to be like, Yeah, you know, to really mourn that, that loss, to accept that times are changing, but then to step into the culture and say, okay, so this is where we're at, you know? So this is where we're at. To me, it's less of a, um, I don't don't believe that culture emerges from nowhere. Mm -hmm. I believe that culture shows up in rejection to something Mm -hmm. or it shows up as an addition to something. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I think that connection to me is going to look different Connection to another person, okay. and uh, it takes it takes me being a lifelong learner of people, mm-hmm. and I think sociology naturally equips us to answer this question, but I know that there are older Christians who view co- like this culture as like a as a threat, mm-hmm. as a hindrance to the message mm-hmm. of Jesus, but you know. Th- there's a, there, there's a part of me that, you know, I hear these stories of, you know, Jesus was called a friend of sinners, a mm-hmm. friend of prostitutes, mm-hmm. a friend of alcoholics, you know, and it he, makes me... He ate it, with them, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> it makes me wonder what it was like when Jesus, like, sat at the table with the mm-hmm. prostitutes. Because I don't want to be the campus pastor, you know, when I walk into a room and all the kids are hanging out, they see me, they're like, oh, man, Sirac just walked in. <laughs> you know, you got to think, when Jesus walked into the room with all the prostitutes, you yeah. know, when he walked into the prostitution room, and ate with them. They were like, hey, Jesus, you know, have a seat, yeah. you know? That he had, there was something about his energy, his vibe, and I don't think he compromised who who he was. Yeah. I don't think he lied to them. I don't think it was in his character too, but I do think he spoke their language. Yeah. And he was discerning enough to let these prostitutes know that they're heard, that they're that they're that, that they're that that they're seen, yeah. but just like the religious elite, these prostitutes have things in their heart that they need to change, yeah. and I think that for me, when I interact with this culture, man, that's the hard question of me being like, you know, I don't, I know how I feel to those older Christians who they're trying so hard to connect, and I'm sitting there like, you're missing it, man, yeah, like you really you don't you don't get it, and you think digging your heels in and getting more angry is gonna fix it, yeah. but it's not.
0: Ooh, that's some good stuff right there, man. I just wanna stop right there. Okay. Uh, Not because I I wanna make sure I get this point, but that's some good stuff. Number one, one of the things that you said in order that's important for uh, for connecting with students is acceptance, right? Acceptance, whether, hey, you know, they don't do things like I do, or they don't do things like I used to do, or they don't, you know what I'm saying? So it's back to that. It's back to just awareness and acceptance that, man, if I really want to connect with this student and if I really want to reach them, you know, for whatever cause, whether it's, you know, for an academic cause, you know, as, as a professor, or whether it's uh, the cause of Christ, right, of bringing them to, to Christianity and winning, winning that soul for Christ, man, and knowing that Jesus and God are the best thing that could ever happen to them. If I really want to win them, um, then I have to accept them. Mm-hmm. I have to accept them as who they are. You know, with their with their thinking, with their flawed thinking, right? Because mm-hmm. I know I know you've probably had some students, you know, in your in your uh, campus ministry group that you know they'll just say some stuff, and like, what the heck are they saying? And it goes totally Sheesh. against, right? It's Yikes. totally against what you're trying to teach them. But yeah. man, you know, number one, you know, if we want to talk about just brain development, we know that the the, the male brain doesn't fully develop till they're 26. So imagine a 19 year old kid who gets his information from music and gets his information from social media and so all this thing all these things are going on in their head and so yeah they're going to say some things <laughs> yeah. that, that probably sound like mind-boggling but again it's accepting them so man I, I, I want to I'm thank thank you so much for for bringing that up because it's like okay if I really want to connect with students if I really want to connect then I have to be accepting exactly. and I don't think that Something that there are there are teachers or educators or pastors who are accepting. I think like, well, mm-hmm. if you're not like that, then get away. And like, man, you're mm. you're you're shutting out the people that that need it the most.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's the thing that I feel like this generation is is like their spirit. There's it's their spiritual gift more than any other generation. Is mm-hmm. they're concerned with acceptance. Okay. Is they they're just so concerned about the marginalized. They're mm-hmm. so concerned about the groups that have been left out. Mm-hmm. You know, you think of you know trans lgbt kind of that even like the most the most minute minute portion of the lgbtq community mm-hmm. this generation's like no we need to hear from them too you yeah. know you think of like the single mom in alabama who is descendant of slaves and has lived in cyclical poverty her entire life mm-hmm. this generation's like no when we talk about race we need her story here That's too yeah. and and me approaching them from the mindset of like, no, this is what you need to think. This is what you need to believe. But they're like, but if, and here's the thing, most people, when they, when they meet me and I tell them I'm a pastor, I'm Mm -hmm. a campus pastor, they're not, they're not dumb. Like they know what that title means. Mm -hmm. I teach people about Jesus. Jesus. I teach people about scripture. Scripture teaches us how to live Mm -hmm. the way that we should live, the things we should think about. They're, They're not ignorant to that. Yeah. But when I tell them I'm I'm a pastor, I think their mind goes to can I trust this guy? Exactly. Like do I trust him to accept me? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, you're right, you've already lost him. You've already lost him. You know, and I and I and I think that in a in a same way I think that same thing too. You know, if I have a dean or a boss or someone above me that I'm reporting to and if I don't trust him you know, I'm, the, I may tr- I may trust them with my duties. Mm-hmm. I may trust them with my work, but I don't trust them with my heart. You know, yeah. And and the heart is the thing where you know, it's 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 from the heart that you know. Ha- I heard this quote. It says, "How you do anything is how you do everything." Mm-hmm. And if and if you have someone that you don't trust with everything, yeah, then you, it's, it's it's you're not gonna have full trust. In what in what their message is and so I think with students I mean I yeah that's that's some that's that that's some that sums it up I may never do a Bible study with them they may never come to core or Thursday or Thursday nights mm-hmm. but you know you see them around enough and if they they may trust you enough that three four months down the road something Im- emerges um, and so and so yeah that that's the spiritual gift of this generation is acceptance they're very concerned of do people feel accepted mm-hmm. you know for good and 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 for bad
0: yeah, you know for sure. And, I mean, and if, they, if they want acceptance or if they, you know, if acceptance is important for them, then us, right, as their servants, right, because we're in the service, man, whether it's in the classroom or as a campus pastor, I truly believe that we're in service to them. So if that's important to them, then, man, why shouldn't it be important to us to accept them, right, to accept yeah. them as, as who they are? Because then if you want to look at the spiritual aspect of it, dude, Christ accept us as who we are and we're flawed, you know what I'm saying? We, we don't always do the right things, we don't always say the right things, and yet he still you know, lovingly accepts us and is faithful to us even in the midst of our unfaithfulness, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. for sure, man. So um, also, I wanted to ask you real quick, man, in terms of your proudest professional moment, right? So we've kind of hit on you know, why you were called to be a campus minister, and how that aligns to what you believe is is your mission, right? your God-given mission, and also how you connect. So tell tell us about a a proud professional moment that you've had.
1: So this is a, um, this probably happened my first year of of teaching. Uh, My first class I ever taught had only seven students in it. Which I'm, with you, I'm with
0: you. My, mine was probably like eight or something. So. Yeah, I mean, and
1: that, and that was a blessing because I walked into that class, you know, so my, just my ego was was humbled. Yeah. You know, all the things I thought that I was, that was really going to connect with the students didn't. All yeah. the things, all my big activities fell flat. But there was a student in my class. Uh, she was She was returning back to school. She was probably in her mid-40s. Um, I think her name was Eunice. She okay. was a Nigerian immigrant, and she raised a family, and she wanted to go back to school. And she would sit at the front row every day, and she was very quiet every day in class. I'd always wonder, because, you know, I was always taught to respect my elders. And so, you know, I talked to the students, but when I, the way I talked to Eunice was just, like, different. You know, I talked to her with, with respect. I talked to yeah. all my students with respect, but I think I had a lot more, like, uh I I tried to honor her yeah, like as she I she was a mother right uh huh yeah like that, yeah for sure and 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 on on the last day of class she wrote me just a really sweet card saying and she said that in the card she called me her son and okay. she's and she said that you know my life even though i i just i was probably 23 24 at the time but she wrote and said she said i know you only see your life as this moment or maybe what you're doing for the next week or the next month but i'm but, but she said the work you're doing the life you're living is going to change generations wow. it's it, it's going to change generations down your family line and it was a very encouraging you know she and she walked up and handed me the card in front of the like the other students, yeah. and she made an announcement. She said, "I want to honor our professor before, we, like we took our final exam." She yeah. said, "I want to honor him before we take our final exam," and it was a really moving moment. I've, I haven't had anything like that happen again since that first that first class. Yeah, but yeah, I still think about her, man. She, in, the awesome. she, in the way that the way that she honored me, and I was really, I was really proud. Yeah,
0: that's awesome, man. Awesome, very good. So your your platform, you know, it's one of the things that I, that I've been focusing on during the first you know uh, first couple episodes of this podcast man is that we all as educators as leaders you know we all have a platform and even if you're not you don't have the title of a leader if you have someone who's following you you have a platform like you have you know a stage where like look what are you gonna do with the stage what are you gonna do with these people who are coming to you for advice and coming to you because they see something in you so in terms, you have a set platform, right? Every Thursday night, you meet with your focus group. What are two or three, two or three things that you feel are the most, most important things for you to share with them?
1: So I think the first thing is that God creates us in such a way that everything we need, we already have inside of us. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that if God is a good father and we are his children, that God will resource us to do his will anytime. Mm-hmm. And I think we approach, we look at God as if he's some faraway spectator, and we pray, Lord, give me this thing, and then I'll be equipped. Give, I'm waiting for this word, and then I'll know. And not, not that there's anything wrong with seeking God, but if God is a good father and we trust Him, then we trust that He's resource us to, resourced us to do His will. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to be confused. That doesn't mean we're not going to be frustrated. Yep. That doesn't mean we're not going to be anxious about the future. Mm-hmm. But as far as right here, right now, do we believe that He's equipped us to do what we need to do here and now? And I believe that the answer is yes. And I believe that to be first and firm, first and foremost what I call students to mm-hmm. realize.
0: Okay.
1: Is that... Is that you're here as an 18, 19 year old, or whatever, and you know, you you have what it takes okay. already inside of you, mm-hmm. and you'll be surprised that you had even more inside of you once you step out. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't know if it's that social media culture or just kind of that, the message of you can do anything and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, the only problem with that message is we're we all we're all we are alone with ourselves at night, mm-hmm. and we know deep inside we can't do everything. Mm-hmm we hear that message, you can be your own inspiration. you know the world life is a ma- life is a journey and you hold the map. you know we have all these messages that we hear. Mm-hmm. The problem is we get to the end of the day and we think man, like I'm still stuck with me you know <laughs> I'm still me, you know And I feel like freeing up students to, to think to say, yeah, you are stuck with you yeah. and God and that's good enough. yeah that's good enough for for God. So that's the, the first message. The second thing that you know, that I feel is one of the most significant things that I can share with them is um, my own story. Okay. You know, my relationship with God hasn't been this easy walk in the park. Yeah. Uh, I've I've had some really down dark times in my faith where I've questioned the not if God existed or not, just but I but I've questioned God's his his omnipotence. Yeah. Like is is he all powerful? Because it seems like what he allows and what he participates in and what he chooses to neglect, it seems so chaotic. And I think learning about sociology forced me into those dark corners, because I can only read so many statistics on infant mortality rates to where I finally say, God, what are you, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, I can only read so many statistics on abused, battered women till I wonder, God. There's some deep evil in this world. Mm-hmm. You know, how did I get so lucky, and and how am I so ill-equipped to even help with these things? I see the need in these things that I'm reading and learning about. You mm. see it all, God. Yeah. And it forced me into some pretty dark corners. And I'm not trying to act like I have all the answers, mm-hmm. but I think students knowing that they have a pastor who struggles, yeah, knowing that they have a pastor who who wrestles with these kinds of things— it's been a message that I've been really surprised there are times where I feel pretty deep shame telling people about these kinds of things mm-hmm. um, but it's been an important message to share with students along along the way
0: and it's real I mean it's real man you know I know've we've, we've had conversations about this where you need a place where you can you can just be yourself and say hey man I'm struggling mm-hmm. you know this is this is what I struggle with and please don't put me on this pedestal right please don't make make it seem like you know i have it all together because i don't and that's something that i that i that i strive to do as well man because it's just like yeah i mean you know how can i help you if you think that i've never struggled Mm -hmm. like you know i can help you when you when you realize okay yeah he's he's going through he's going through some things as well may not be similar but he's going through something as well
1: exactly yeah for sure yeah that's really that's really what it's all what it's what it's all about you know i don't know if i'm going to be a you know some pastors or you know lifers this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life yeah. you know i've always wrestled with this the struggle this idea of calling like yeah. what is i've never really heard an audible voice is this is what you're supposed to be doing yeah. but, but looking at this season in my life right here and right now i don't i don't i don't know what comes next if if it is college ministry if it is you know formal vocational ministry then i know that's going to be a part of my vocation my mm-hmm. that calling that i just shared with you but i i know that either way that it leads so whatever path whatever path i go down that calling stays the same to to show people you already have everything that you need inside of you yeah. to take that step and to tell people that like no this is this is my story mm-hmm. and let it speak to them you know i i know that i know that there's that human ego tendency to share the stories that boost us up, Yeah, you know, like to, to, to share For those sure. stories, to share those stories. That's
0: where all, That's all social media is, man. Right? To share
1: those stories where you're like, yeah, my and he said that, and you're not going to believe what I said. I yeah. told him, boom.
0: Yeah.
1: What we're doing is we're boosting up our ego. But I want to hear those conversations where you say, and he said that, and I didn't know what to say. Yeah. I want to hear those kinds of stories, yeah. you know, where I, and then God revealed this to me and I had no clue what that meant. Yeah. Those are the stories where you finally feel like it's like you can you're like ah you know yeah. it's like when I'm in a room and I'm talking about race yeah you know and it's like I'm the only black person in the room yeah. and it's just me and like fifteen white people yeah the moment one of those individuals the white individuals can stand can step up and say yeah man this these are ways that I participated in in racism yeah that's the one moment I can just be like oh man.
0: Finally, finally, finally something's being real. <laughs> finally, yeah.
1: I don't want to I don't want to hear another story about, "Track, you know, tell let me tell you about my black friend that I have, yeah. you know. Let me tell you about my my one black friend at work that I was talking talking to." I'm like, "Listen, man, I don't need to hear one of those stories, yeah. you know." And I feel like those stories they're just compounded in my life where I go, "Oh my gosh, finally someone's saying it." Yeah. I want to be that type of pastor, that type of leader that creates those moments for people listening to me where they can listen to me and they could think, "Oh my gosh, yeah. Someone, someone is you know saying it, um, and I, I, I think no matter what path I'm on, creating those moments is going to be a part
0: of my call. You know. There, yeah. awesome. Well, that leads into this last question. What's one thing as a leader that you would never want to do? Because you talked about what you want to make sure you do, but what is one thing that you would never want to do, and why? You
1: know, le- leadership is leadership is tricky because. When your platform grows, you're going to attract people. Sorry, like what leader doesn't want their platform to grow? Like there are some leaders who they may have this, they're tending to that size field and they're thinking, well, this is all I need and this is all. And and so they're okay and content with it. But leadership in these changing industries, you know, in in, you know, in, you know, what you're doing with public speaking and you know, yeah. tech and ministry and education. People's your platform, you, you generally want your platform to grow. Yeah. Because you believe in your message. And exactly. you and, and you and you think the more people that can receive this message, the greater my impact. Mm-hmm. But the challenge is as your platform grows, you attract people for um, uh, maybe the wrong reasons. Okay. You know, they see you and they think Look at his platform. I want to follow him. Versus, mm-hmm. look at his message. I want to follow him. Mm-hmm. Or listen to what he's saying. I want to follow him. Or look at how authentic he is. I want to follow him. They mm-hmm. they just think, oh, look at whatever, whatever, whatever everyone else is doing.
0: Ah, I like that. I like that. Okay.
1: So I want to do whatever whatever yeah. everyone else is doing. I think for me, there's an there there there's a human element in leadership, and I, I different books that I've read have called it the the ego. Okay it's the part of us that we fuel up in order to survive okay. it's um it's basically the question of you know you AC, what's the story that you tell yourself about yourself to keep you you going uh-huh. and here's the thing that story changes based on your uh, surroundings based on your on, on your predicament and as, as 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 a leader as my platform grows the story that i tell myself the thing that i fuel myself with can really shape and alter my trajectory. And I think we're not ignorant to the stories of the person whose platform grew and their ego got to their head and yeah. they did something really morally compromising yeah. or they took advantage of people or they exploited people. Yeah. None the, in the, and in, in the same way that, you know, a six year old child is capable of doing evil to another child. Yeah. We see the same thing in an adult human being who's capable of doing great evil And you see the same thing in an organization capable of doing great evil, a country capable of doing great, great evil. The thing that I never want to do as a leader is discount my ego in making me do and say and think things about myself that just aren't true. That's good, man. You know? Yeah. That's why it's, I don't know, man, just remembering myself as an 18-year-old and remembering how desperate I was for friendship. Yeah. You know? Imagine twisting that to the message of, you know, I've got a master's degree, I'm a sociology professor. These students deserve me. <laughs> no, sorry, these students don't deserve yeah. me. These yeah. students these students need me.
0: Yeah.
1: And they're gonna not text me but me back. They're, yeah. they're gonna you know, last week we had thirty students, next week we have eighteen. Who do these students think they are? See how that ego can start building up. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that I don't know, as a leader, one of the things I never want to do is discount my ego in that. I wanna surround myself with people that are gonna continually keep keep me in check yeah keep you grounded mhm keep
0: you mm-hmm. grounded
1: and and I, and 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 here's the thing when i when i when i see a story this is, this is just me being personal when i when i read a story of like a pastor or a business leader or a politician who they just they did something terrible like they really they let their ego and power and prestige yep. get to their heads I don't I don't look at them and think man what an what an idiot. Mm-hmm. I mean I'll I'll say man they they did a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. But I'll see those situations and I'll think man that's that's me.
0: Yeah or that could be me, right? That that yeah. could be me. That could be me. I hear you, man.
1: You know that? And I I get it. People that have you know justice needs to be served mm-hmm. and whether if it's rehabilitative justice or retributive retributive just justice i know that people need to be punished and i think there is righteous anger but when i see those stories maybe it's just the like sensitive part of me i see i, I see myself yeah. um, and i know how dangerous that ego is to be filled up
0: yeah because um, one one uh one choice and you can be right there that's what i always say right mm-hmm. you know one if i just make one decision and i could be i could be in a similar boat so yeah because it's in us man you know when we talk about it you know, that, that, that flesh nature, that sin nature It's in all of us, man You know, and so, um, yeah, dude I definitely agree with that I like that, man mm-hmm. um, So what's up, man? Is there anything that I haven't asked you That you want to share? It's been a good conversation, man I feel like I, I got to know you a little bit more I yeah. like that Yeah, man <laughs> Honestly, man I, I mean, there's, there's a lot
1: of I can kind of share with you um, uh, Something that I've been learning recently
0: Okay, go ahead. Go uh,
1: ahead. Is it's just it's just this this idea of uh, of being present to yourself. Okay. Like this idea of paying attention to your to your thoughts. You know, because you'll be driving down the road and a thought will enter your your head. Yeah. And usually we we experience a thought and we think, man, I feel bad about that. I shouldn't think think that. Or we experience thought and we explore it. We're like, ooh, yeah, what if I did? We just we just kind of create this world in our brains, right? Yeah but I feel like whenever some of these so so, so so for example I'll you know I'll be at a restaurant and I'll, and I'll be like ooh, I should get a salad you know a yeah. salad is healthier yeah and I'll think no nah, I don't want a salad I want like a like a burger yeah and then a thought on in my head and say you're stupid you're you're, you're you know you're going to be fat yeah then instead of hearing that voice and feeling shame I'll I'll hear that voice and I'll kind of just pause and wait for the next thought you know, wait for the next idea yeah. of like uh, just kind of being like, really? Like, so let's say I, I was fat. What would be my life then? Like, what, yeah. what, what would I think of myself then? Well, if you were fat, then you would die earlier. I'm like, well, do I, okay. Do I have a fear of death? It's, it's this bizarre act- activity that, I've, that, that I was reading about. I, re- I read this book on contemplative prayer and it was talking about, you know, we struggle with praying because we're afraid to be alone with our thoughts. Wow. But honestly, we really don't have like our truest thoughts until we let four or five waves of these thoughts pass by. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll sit down, you'll think there's a voice in your head that says, "Man, you haven't prayed in weeks. Yeah. You're a, you're a weak believer."
0: Yeah.
1: Just 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 let that thought happen. Yeah. And then pay attention to it, and then let it go, and then wait for the the next thought. This thought of like, you know, you should be doing all these other things right now. And then you let you hear that thought, and you say, "Okay, oh, 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 okay, I could." And there, and he was he was taught he used to a contemplative prayer yeah. that don't ask, don't just ask God for things, to, yeah. but connect with them. Yeah. But it's hard for us because our that that's our ego talking.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And I've been I've been learning about, about that recently, and it's been it's been calming me down. It's been helping me be present in in the moments. You know, yeah. I'll be at Richland Focus on Thursday night, and I'm like, there's only twenty two two students here. You know, they're not coming because they don't like you, sir. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll hear that thought, and I'm like, interesting. So let's say only 22 students came. Yeah. So what then? Yeah. You know, I but um, I don't I don't know if that's encouraging any any listeners, but to just let those thoughts happen. Yeah. And just let them pass, you know.
0: For sure, man. No, definitely. <laughs> that's that's good stuff. No, I mean, it helps me, man, because even I shared on um on my loss, on my loss. Excuse me. I shared on the last podcast how I'm my biggest critic, man. Mm. So somebody could come and tell me, "Hey, you know, you you spoke great. You did great. You really impacted my life and you really touched me and I'm thinking well What else could I have done or I didn't do this good enough, man So sometimes wow. you just yeah, dude, you know, wow. that's me. That's me right there I'm like, so I just have to stop or I have 21 okay here I'll have to say this. So I sold uh, I took 40 bucks Last week to the speaking engagement and I was sold 34 and that's good 34 books. That means 34 people you know um, Obviously, they, something resonated within my message that caused them to buy the book and yet I could trip out about the six who didn't you See how <laughs> crazy that is. Exactly. That's yeah. ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of me just focusing on, on On the good. It's like well, why didn't this, Why didn't why didn't six other people? Why did not sell out? You know so, so-and-so would have sold out so yeah. nah man that that helped me because it's an ego thing Bottom line, it's an ego thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. So, mm-hmm. th- thanks for sharing that. that was, if that wasn't for anybody, now I'm sure it, it impacted somebody as well, but it impacted me too. So, hey, man, is there anything you'd like to plug? You know, where can people find out more information about Focus or even, you know, Richland Focus? Or-
1: yeah, you can uh, www.anyfocus.org if you know any students transferring to Richland or if you know anyone uh, who's currently a student at Richland. Uh, you could definitely check us out there. We meet on Thursday nights in Sabine. Uh, we were meeting for about three more weeks, and then the end of the semester is upon us. But yeah, I, I teach a couple online classes per semester, um, and you could follow me on Instagram at at Serak is alive. That's S I R A K is alive. And yeah, yeah, man, I'm just always. Rolling with your boy AC, so you
0: <laughs> hey, don't know. be bashful though, man. Tell them about tell them about the music. You're on Spotify too. You're you got tell me about that EP earlier, man. Let's yeah,
1: man. I uh I'm in a little musical collective thing with my buddies Kurt and Pico. Uh, we're in a band called Songs and Stories, and uh, we released our first album last year. It's like a little EP, a little five song EP, and we're currently writing and recording for uh Volume Two. So uh yeah, man. If you just can find
0: that. That EP on Spotify, right? Yeah, it's
1: going to be on Spotify, iTunes, pretty much all the major online music re- retailers. So, yeah. All
0: right, what's the name of that group again?
1: Uh, it's called Songs and Stories.
0: Awesome, brother. Awesome. Well, man, Serac, I appreciate you just, you know, giving me a bit of your time to just, you know, for you just to share your heart, man, and, and, and what you do for, for God and for the students here at Richland, man. I know, you know, it's just it's just great, bro. So thank you so much for your time, man. Thanks, AC. No problem, brother. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you have been encouraged and empowered to take action on your goals and dreams. If you have and you want to share that with me, I would love to hear from you. All right. You can connect with me on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube at AC Cristales. Again, connect with me on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube at AC Also, feel free to share this episode with your friends and family. To encourage and empower them as well. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, make sure to subscribe to this show and rate and review it as well so that others may benefit from listening to this podcast. If you're on Spotify, hit that follow button so that you know when the next episode is available. And lastly, if you're on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe to this channel. Thank you all again for listening to this podcast. I hope you guys have a great week full of victories and blessings. As always, the mission is now, so remain mission driven. Until next time, faith, hope, love.